Greetings. Welcome aboard the Diecast Enterprise. This is Pags. I'm Foley. And tonight we're on to episode 19, Heart of Glory. It's finally time for some Klingons. That's right. We've been waiting for this episode for some time. I erroneously said way, way back in like episode four, I think, or maybe yeah, five, like that, that uh, oh, I thought the Klingon episode was imminent. That oh, it was it's coming gonna, real soon, yeah, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my guys, we're going to see that Klingon episode real soon. No. Yeah. 20 agonizing episodes later. Here we are, and it's finally time to get to the Klingons. And I know that you have been uh, specifically very eager to get here because you want to tear me apart over my feelings on Klingons. I just don't care for your your racial bias against them. Son of a bitch. That's all. It's not a big deal. Okay, so... For those of you who haven't listened to every episode of our podcast intently, and I want you to know that I'm I'm not mad, but I'm hurt. Here, this is the part where you agree that you're racist. I would like the Klingons. That's how the healing starts. I'm gonna smack you. I would like the Klingons. I would if they were better written. My problem with the Klingons is that in the majority of the material I see them used in, they're just underdeveloped, you know? Like, they think that they can just say some bullshit about uh, being warriors and hunters and talk about honor, and that that is enough to fill in the blanks. And But it's not. For me, the whole Klingon society doesn't make any sense. The way their society supposedly works... It's a marvel that they even made it as far as space travel, let alone intergalactic space travel. If you could hear yourself right now. (laughs) You sound like every other alien describing the human race and their savagery. You sound like Q right now. The Klingons Klingons are who the Klingons are. They're, They're not humans. They're different. They're not the same as other races. They're awesome. They have their own quirks and unique traits. And yeah, maybe you think they're ridiculous, but that's your lookout. I'm just saying, I feel that the writers have let the Klingons down. You just want them to be different than they are. Yeah, I do. I want them to be better than they are. I want them to... I want their past explained. I want there to be a rich, deep history there and not just a, we're warriors, we believe in honor. There's a rich, deep history of war being warriors. And believing in honor. Well, you have a problem with this. Maybe your problem is that the human race has a history with some overarching trends for sure, but there are different periods in human history. There probably are with Klingon history as well, but they really have, there is one overarching common theme, which is like the ethos of the warrior. That's their thing, man. It doesn't feel well thought out to me. And why? I don't know. Maybe it's an issue of translation. Perhaps honor means something different to Klingons than it does to us. It means everything to Klingons. Yeah, I know. I mean, like, the actual, like, dictionary definition of honor. Because the majority of the time, watching Next Gen or pretty much anything else, the Klingons act without honor all the fucking time. Like, the Klingons, all I ever see them do is fucking dishonorable things. What, like, cheat at Scrabble or something? Like, there clearly is a code of ethics that Klingons believe in in some way. And like anything else, it's not 
black and white what that should be to everybody mm. and people interpret it in different ways i think you know not every human being in you know, in the real world mm. quote unquote operates under the same moral code even though many people will claim to oh yeah i think it's the same thing with klingons they're like you know are you a good person or a bad person for klingons that's are you an honorable person or not an honorable person you know most klingons probably think they're honorable but yeah maybe they maybe their interpretation of what that means is different for one than it yeah is like that that's what i'm wondering is because like that for doesn't the, but that doesn't make them weak characters that makes them more real that makes I don't, sense i don't know like i just they don't seem real or believable to me like they seem like two-dimensional cutouts to me i want more you know i want to more than the ferengi or the borg or uh, the romulans you're really picking on the klingons in particular i'm sorry that's how i feel and i will pick on the ferengi as they appear in season one of next gen as well as we have done because like the klingons the ferengi were very poorly written in the first couple seasons of next gen it wasn't until ds9 that the ferengi got the writing facelift that turned them into an interesting species that felt like it had a past that made sense for them you know, i don't know. like i i look at you know the klingon past and i wonder how they survived a race that's that warlike and that uh that's part of what's interesting about it i don't know well I, it's what would be interesting about it if we got any kind of information about it but we don't we're just left to assume that oh klingons are you know warriors and they're honorable except most of the time we see evidence that that's not actually the case are you i'm i'm a little confused are you picking on the way klingons are depicted in season one or the entirety of the star trek universe well i can't speak to the entirety of the star trek universe because okay let's just talk about tng then my feeling about how Klingons are portrayed in TNG is that they're not terribly well-developed and that they don't really explore mm. the Klingons in a satisfactory way. Like, Klingon politics, when we get into, like, the later seasons and we start to see Klingon politics with Gowron and the Jura sisters and whatnot, yeah, I love that Klingon stuff. politics makes no fucking sense at all. It's so ridiculous. What? Like, a society that worked that way would crumble. Yeah, so what? Okay, I don't know. I'm just saying... Anyways. I just think you're a hater. Think what you will. Heart of Glory. Yeah. The episode opens, and the Enterprise, it's on its way to the neutral zone, because Worf's very excited about this. There's been a battle. There has been. We don't know who's involved. Let's get there. Yeah. And they do. When they arrive, they find what appears to be a derelict freighter with potential life signs aboard, though it's impossible to tell because they're too close to the uh, engine core, which is giving off a lot of interference. So an away team beams over with Geordi wearing what is basically visor glass. More or less, it allows the people back on the bridge to see on the main view screen what it is that Jordy sees all the time. Yeah, and we get some really whimsical music to go with this. Like, we get the first <laughs> images of yeah. uh, what Jordy's seeing, and the music comes in like, oh, isn't it magical? Isn't it wonderful? It's too bad the special effects weren't up to the task because what we actually see on the view screen. The other thing we get is like, the, even like 20 episodes in, the already well established Star Trek trope of Picard pausing gasping and then staring at the screen in wonderment and then standing standing up at some amazing sight and of course this time it's just seeing what Jordy sees and Picard says and now I begin to understand him yeah talking to him never helped like what (laughs) were you having a problem relating with Jordy before maybe a little oh man uh, Jordy I don't get that guy I mean he's blind and black and I'm white and French and nah 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 we're from two different worlds 
But no, no, now once I see what Jordy sees, now I understand him because what he sees totally informs his character for me now, but it doesn't really because <laughs> what, what he sees, sees is a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> what Jordy sees is basically garbage. It's and it's a purple and red mess. Yeah. And you can tell that when they were writing it, like they had grand ideas about what it was going to look like. It's a cool idea. Oh, like, yeah, it definitely is. And I would love to see it well realized. But the video effects of uh, 87 or 88 just weren't up to the task of giving us a really good glimpse inside the visor, as it were. Fair enough. Jordy also informs us that the visual acuity transmitter, as they call it, only has a range of a few kilometers. Now, I thought that the Enterprise was way further away from that ship, but apparently not. Maybe they got right up close so they could use this. You know, they must have backed off real fast, though, when it blew up. Yeah, well, you know, they got shields. Oh, like Whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, we get the whimsical music, and Geordi looks around, and... Uh, Picard asks him all sorts of questions. What's that over there? He's like, oh, that's Commander Riker. Uh, what's that? That's Data. He has an aura. Yeah? You say that as if you think that's what we all see. Don't you? Don't you? <laughs> Meanwhile, Data and Riker are like, uh, can we get on with the mission? Yeah, yeah, Riker's <laughs> like, listen, I'd hate to interrupt, but this is bullshit, and we have work to do, yep. Captain. And Captain's like, oh, right, right, yeah. They really could have done this, like, just in the meeting room, yeah. back in the Enterprise. Just, Jordy, go to the Captain's ready room sometime, you'll hook up the visor to, like, a screen, <laughs> and you guys can fully explore this. Yeah, and it really begs the question as to why a wave team's don't have video transmitters on them at all times. Like, they make a point of it in the uh, transporter room that the visual acuity transmitter only has a range of a few kilometers because the information it is sending is so complex that the signal breaks down easily. Yeah, they can't encode it for some reason. But you would imagine that come the 24th century, a standard video signal, not even high def, just a standard video signal, would be fairly easy to broadcast. I think early in the... Great distances. Early in the 21st century, uh, I guess, uh, yeah, patents and trademarks were acquired for all possible conceivable video codecs, and then Mm -hmm. nobody wanted to pay for them. So that's got to be the explanation. You would think that it would be like a ridiculously useful tool to have on away missions instead of just being in audio contact and having the guys on the ground describe to the captain what's going on. It's not clear why they don't have that. I mean, the it's probably like the only real use for something like Google Glass. Well, I mean, just have it in the communicator pin. Mm -hmm. Nobody likes wearable tech. But, you know, it just seems like dash cams for cops or whatever. Yeah, just put a camera in the fucking um, communicator badge. Boom. But you need it to be transmitting live for it to be any of any use, Yeah, yeah. The communicator badge is already transmitting, so... But it only... It doesn't transmit constantly. It can. Well, I mean, maybe it does. They just only listen to it at certain times. Leave the channel open. Boom. It's it's just too much energy. It's too much electricity. I said boom. That that communicator badge has got like a battery life for five (laughs) minutes. Do you think so? Oh, yeah. I wonder how the communicator badges work. I wonder if that's in the technical manual. Do you think the technical manual... I don't think it talks about power sources for them. No, no, I think the technical manual just covers the Enterprise. Mm. Mm. Anyways. I'm curious uh, about this now. When do they charge those badges? I don't know. Maybe they work off of like the uh, like, electrical impulses of the body. Maybe yeah. you know, like that watch that charges because like you move around. That's just based on move. Yeah, kinetic yeah, movement. Yeah. Maybe it's a body heat. Is it the turn of like, body mm-hmm, heat mm-hmm. into? It's like the fucking turn. matrix. Uh, yeah, could be copper top. 
You think there's uh, like humans living some sort of cyber dream inside the <laughs> communicator badge? And just really small ones? Like, yes, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Uh, how horrible. Mm-hmm. A horrible vision of things to come. Just like the rest of this episode. Oh. Burn! Nice, nice Star tie-in. Trek! Wow, nice tie-in. Okay, so mm-hmm. well, let's get to that. What Down in the engine room. Um... Yeah, they find three Klingon survivors. One of them dying and former jam mate of uh, Michael Dorn. Yeah, they were in a band together apparently. Yeah. According to Wikipedia. I guess Dorn just got his buddy on on the cast for like... Why not? Rad. Yeah, right on. And then... Two others. Yeah, so the ship's falling apart, so they gotta get out of there real fast. So they get to a point where they're like, beam us out. It's like, no, there's too much interference. You have to get further away. And like, there's no time. So they try to beam them out. And it doesn't work. Oh, no. And then they, like, try again, and, like, the ship explodes, but they got them just in time. Couldn't Jordy's visor assist us with this predicament in some way? Apparently not. Damn it. what I wonder is, like, gosh, all of that time they wasted standing still trying to get beamed out the first time is time that they could have spent getting further away from that engine core and then getting beamed out without worrying about losing the pattern lock. I kind of so, want to know, how did the Geordi vision help them in this mission in any way? Well, I mean, there's that one instance where Geordi can see that the uh, the bulkhead is uh, fatigued and is going to rupture. But He could have just reported that information. Yeah, exactly. You know, Him being able to transmit the information to the bridge doesn't really help them at all, no. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, it's a first try. Because I'm sure we'll see it again many times in future episodes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Star <laughs> Trek is great for that. Yeah. They never leave these things hanging. No like, way. They never introduce, you know, groundbreaking technology that they never bring up again. Never. Because that would be wasteful writing. It's not the Star Trek way. Not at all. It's a rich tapestry Star Trek, and everything affects everything else forever. So spin ahead to the uh, medical bay, Mm -hmm. where they take the dying Klingon. Yeah, he's in rough shape, and Picard wants some answers from the Klingons. Mm -hmm. But they're kind of cagey about it. They don't really want to give answers. But they let Captain Picard know that they'll be available. Right. And he's like, what, what about right now? But apparently not right now. So... Worf takes them to their room where they get some food and start teasing him. Oh, yeah. Worf, another Klingon on the ship. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A Klingon? What are you doing here? They weren't aware that there was a Klingon in the Starfleet. Yeah. Uh, Apparently that news didn't get around the Empire. They basically pick on Worf like schoolyard bullies. These guys are assholes. And Worf's like, why do you wish to anger me? And they're all like, just to see if we can. Blah. Because we're Klingons and we're assholes. I don't like what you're implying there. That's fine. Take it up with the Klingons. So Worf doesn't rise to the bait. No, no. Worf is way better than these guys. Yeah, damn right. Worf's just like... Worf's a pro. Yeah. Here it might get murky because at this point, Foley was pretty much fully asleep. No. Yeah. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Sleeping was happening. Basically, the Klingons won a tour of the ship, and Worf obliges, and they kind of confide in Worf that they're not exactly what they seem, that what they want is to get away from the Empire and live like true Klingons, because the Empire and its peace treaty with the Federation has neutered all Klingons, and now Klingons it's made are... soft. Exactly, and they want to live the warrior's life and, and paint their legend across the stars, and blur, blur, blur. And Worf's kind of like, that sounds pretty good. At this point, the Enterprise becomes aware of an approaching Klingon vessel. And when they communicate with that vessel, they discover that the Klingons are actually criminals who (gasps) stole that freighter and destroyed a Klingon cruiser sent to recapture them. 
those douchebags. And so it is that uh, Tasha Yar is sent to uh, subdue the Klingons with her uh, security detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a tense moment that might be a hostage situation when a when a little child comes off the turbo lift with her mother and the leader of the evil Klingons picks her up. Oh my god. He's like, oh my god, we've got a hostage situation. And then he hands her to Worf, who gives her back to her mom, who... Dice, Worf. Yeah, and her mom doesn't Klingons. go back the way she came. She makes her way past the Klingons and the you know, like terribly embarrassed about the whole thing yeah but it's like really it's like hey look there's a whole security detail here with their phasers drawn at these two klingons maybe i should sneak past them and continue down the hallway i've got places to be probably another way around you know yeah you'd think you're like you know let's not go back to the turbo lift questionable choices by that mother she probably left her groceries on the lift yeah. Worf is deeply offended that Tasha Yar feels or was concerned that the Klingons were going to take hostages because that is not our way. But, you know, I mean, in Tasha Yar's defense, Klingons do terrible shit like that all the time. So it's not their way, but it totally is. Again, with the stereotyping of Throwing Klingons. tons of shade at the Klingons. Can't right believe now. you. Can't believe you. Mm-hmm. Just your, your prejudice is showing. That's right. Yeah. Those Klingons coming over here, stealing our women, taking our jobs. co-opting my honor could their foreheads be any more crinkled they could not I can't furrow my brow at all and they're walking around like cocks of the walk well I'll tell you something Klingons are cocks of nothing you got a goddamn Sharpay on your head booty buddy (laughs) so the Klingons get taken into custody and Worf has some words with the Klingon captain who's coming to take them. You know, he he pleads for them, you know. He understands them, and he wants them to... Why are you being such dicks? He wants them to meet death on their feet, not tied. And the guy's like, yo, bro, I totally sympathize with you, but what can you do? And then the Klingons escape from the brig because apparently the guards weren't watching them at all. Oh, you're, you're talking about the discussion between Worf and the captain of the other ship, right? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All right. That wasn't clear. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah, Worf essentially pleads for their lives, asking mm-hmm. for clemency, because right? they're going to be taken back to be executed dishonorably. Exactly. By, you know, without a trial or whatever. And Worf's saying, why don't you guys let them go to... Some planet. Some abandoned planet. And, and just them... drop them on a planet and let them die. Yeah, well, let them, like, fight it out in the wilderness with yeah. honor. And captain's like, yeah, but no... Yeah, the captain wasn't on board with that yeah. point at all. And then the Klingons escape, like I say, because no one is paying attention. Because apparently, when Whoa. you lock them up, you don't well, see, watch them at all. See, I was awake for this part. Yeah. And, uh, no, this is an excellent part of the episode where the two dudes in the holding cell, the two Klingons, surreptitiously make a gun out of their belts and, like, bits and pieces of their uniform. Yeah, yeah, they've got all these pieces all over their uniform that when detained... Like, yeah, two belt buckles and some yeah. piping and, then like, a bit out of the guy's mm-hmm. boot... It turns into a sweet disruptor. Yeah. I want to know, like, is this standard issue equipment for Klingons? Do they always have this sort of, like, belt gun that they can use? I'm going to guess no, simply because if that were standard issue, then Starfleet would most likely be aware of it, and Starfleet security would know to look for that kind of thing. Maybe. I think it's just something that these two had 
because they were fugitives true and they were prepared in case they were captured I love their belt buckle gun yeah yeah no it's pretty neat but like I say I find it really bizarre that they're in the brig and no one's watching them you know and it's not like they're very sneakily putting this gun together it's right out in the open anyone who glanced into that cell would see them doing it Uh, humans are very trusting yeah, and then when they uh, somehow manage to defeat the uh, force field with like basically an elbow patch, another thing that was on yeah, the, yeah, yeah, another part of their kit. We saw the the belt buckle gun, yeah, the force field destabilizer. They had two hip flasks, yeah. which they didn't show. The uh, mood rings. <laughs> so the security officer who's stationed at the door, yeah, calls it in, and then instead of sealing the door. He jumps into the room to confront them and then immediately gets shot. Yeah, that was a dumb move. Yeah, it really was. It's like, you're outside in the hallway. You know, they have just defeated the security force field. Shut the goddamn door and lock it. Who trained this guy, Tasha? You know? That will buy you a little more time for your reinforcements to arrive. Mm. But no, let's just jump into the room and get shot in the chest. Yeah. That will work out much better. They shot him pretty hard. I think... When uh, the rest of the security detail comes down, Tashiro says that at least one security officer is dead. Yeah. So I guess they killed him. Yeah, because in, in Code of Honor, Tashiar tells us that uh, Starfleet security training is second to none. I doubt that very much based on the security yeah. work we see in the first season of Next Gen. They don't seem to be very good at their jobs this, at all. This particular guy, like, yeah, his security work was basically second to probably, like, pizza or something. Yeah. It was pretty bad. Yeah. So, so then, then there's a firefight. Yeah, and one of the Klingons gets taken down, so it's just uh, Captain... He does, but in a moment of badass where you saw, like, he took, he, like, he shrugged yeah, he took, off like, several phaser blasts. Yeah, yeah. Presumably they were on the stun setting. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so, which is why it took, you know, like, four blasts to kill him. Mm-hmm. So the surviving Klingon, he makes his way to main engineering, where he scares the bejesus out of the uh, redhead. Yeah, she's busily at some console. Yeah, yeah, and then away. he uh, he gets up there and he points his gun at the dilithium chamber, and if he shoots it from that range, the whole ship's going up. Apparently, yeah, scary. Worf and Picard head down there to defuse the situation, and Tasha Yar's all like. Ah, let's just wait him out. And Worf's like, no, no, let me go talk to him. She's like, I do not think that that is a good idea. And for some reason, she's talking like Data, like she's not using contractions. It was a bit weird. Yeah. He's like, listen, he's only going to wait as long as he thinks he's got a chance. As soon as he knows that he's beat, he's going to blow us all up. She's like, but but that would destroy us all. It's like, well, duh. What do you know about Klingons, Tasha Yar? Nothing? Yeah. You've been working with a fucking Klingon all season. Has she not spent any time absorbing his culture? Apparently not. Maybe she should be a little less bigoted about Klingons. Like somebody else I know. Open your eyes. (laughs) My eyes are open. It's you who's living in the fucking dream world, man. Whatever, man. Klingons are great. (laughs) So, Worf goes up there and basically just browbeats this guy. He's just like... You're fucking delusional. That's what the the guy's pretty mean to Worf. He's like, yeah, you have, yeah, you're, yeah. you're no Klingon. And and Worf's all like... There's no fire in your blood. Worf takes it all in stride, though, because Worf knows that this guy is total bullshit. Worf's ice cold. Like, yeah, the whole yeah. time, this guy's, like, dissing him hard, trying to challenge him. Worf just slowly walks towards him, yeah, walks yeah. towards him, and then just fucking shoots yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, he's like, blank. you're no Klingon. Perhaps not. Zap! At that point, he's, he's maybe, like, an arm length away from the mm-hmm. dude. And he just, like, shoots him from the hip. 
Yeah. You know, sweet. It's and cold. then he fall like the the defeated Klingon falls through the glass floor, which shatters, and he falls one floor down. It was really weird. Like he, yeah. he collapsed, but then instead of just collapsing, the yeah. floor that he falls onto just gives, gives, way. gives way. That must have been some very fragile glass, which makes no sense because this is next gen. You would think an area in the engineering yeah. bay would have some yeah, it would have a safer be, work site. Yeah, than like that. either super reinforced plexi or more likely considering this is fucking star trek transparent aluminum like they make their fucking windows out of maybe this is the one spot on the whole ship that they decided to cut costs to yeah. you know stand or some budget margin yeah, the, like, the, 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 these floor panels are for decoration only well look like it's the floor it's the safety panel that goes right next to the dilithium chamber it's essentially right next to the big bomb in the middle of the <laughs> ship maybe yeah. they figured they could skirt on the safety stuff there. i guess like oh man yeah what's more likely to happen <laughs> somebody falling through this or the ship blowing up because of the any matter matter any matter containment problem it was quite the stunt which is obviously why that happened they wanted to end the episode with a big stunt a glorious death but like you know yeah but they, he really should have just been like shot over the railing or something he should have it, yeah, yeah that was, would have been better I think the only thing then is then he would have fallen on the the containment unit or, or if they shot him like off the one time he could have fallen on Yar they should have just freaking vaporized yeah him, that like, would have been that would have been great but then we wouldn't have gotten the death yell Oh yeah, and we didn't talk about the death well. Yeah, when the first. Uh, oh man, we didn't know. Yeah, uh, when the uh, the Klingon survivor or the the wounded Klingon when they first come aboard dies in sick the, bay. the Klingons do this thing where they're like, oh, and they're all like throwing their heads back, screaming, and everyone in sick bay is like, what the fuck? It's because they have to let the warriors in Stovalcor know that another warrior approaches. Exactly. Beware, a Klingon warrior is coming. That's right. Never happens again in this series. I think it does a couple does times. It? I think when Kalar dies, Worf does it. I think it. you're thinking of, like, DS9, though. No, 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 no. In Kalar, you know, like, Worf's, uh, Worf's main oh, right, squeeze. Right. Oh, right, right. His, she uh, gets killed. Wife? I'm 99% sure he does it then. Oh, that could be. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. So, yeah, Worf goes down in engineering and does the Klingon death scream for this guy. Very badly dubbed. Yeah, yeah. It's so bad. Like, like the, the shot of him doing it like his face is back and he just like his it, mouth is open but there's, yeah. it doesn't look like any sound is coming out and then they I just know, and his, he's got these dead eyes like it, the whole thing looks ridiculous and it's like what's going on here this is a very poorly framed shot and then like the episode ends you know with Worf letting the uh, Klingon commander of the uh, oh yeah the sorry sorry that, those, those prisoners we were going to transfer you over yeah. to you yeah they're, they're both dead, dead. How did they die? They died well. They died well. And then dude like offers him a job. Like, listen, when you're done uh, your tour with the Federation, you should consider coming to work for us. And yeah, you can bro down with like, the other Klingons. I'm honored. And then like Picard and Riker just all aghast at this. Yeah. And Worf has to reassure them not once but twice that he's... No, he's, I was just being polite. I have no desire to leave Starfleet. No, really. I have no desire to leave Starfleet. And they're like... Well, okay. I, like you were saying before, I mean, um, this is a, you know, like most, char- every character on the show gets a, a featured episode where we get, you know, an explanation mm-hmm. about who they are and what their background is. And Yeah, yeah. This, this is, is Worf's, Worf's character episode. And yeah, we didn't talk about this is the episode where we get Worf's backstory. A little bit, yeah. Like at least the, the sort of the proto version of it. Yeah, where he talks about being found at the Kittimer Massacre and being adopted by a by human Starfleet officer. And then the Klingon captain guy, the one who's trying to turn Worf evil or whatever. 
whatever. No, he's just trying to, like, yeah, just, come and work for the Klingons for yeah. a bit, man. No, 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 not that one. Oh, oh, the other guy. Yeah, like, this was back in, during the episode. What was his name? All Ke- three of them had names that begin with K. I just want to call this guy Kevin. Yeah. It's not Kevin. I keep wanting to say Kalas, but that's not Kalas. It's not Kalas. It's, it's, like, Koros or something, or, like... Let's just call him Kevin. Yeah. So, Kevin's like, Yes, no one understood you there, did they? They made fun of you, didn't they? They called you terrible names, and you didn't know why, and blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, painting this horrible picture of what Worf's youth must have been like and I really wanted to Worf to just come back with actually everyone was very accepting of me and I faced no bigotry at all and I had a very happy childhood and wanted for nothing oh you know why he didn't say that because he he grew, he grew up at Jeff's house oh you know fuck you man uh, I'm just kidding I mean I think in later we do get insight into Worf's youth later than that it wasn't super easy at times yeah. there was like there were people that you know, I just found different that, I just found that scene really contrived and I really wanted it to be deflated by Worf going no that's not what happened at all yeah like I don't know what you think these human colonies are like but no how could you be so prejudiced yeah there's a scene when Worf is taking them on the tour of the ship where he discusses the battle bridge and Worf mentions that when relieved of its bulk the Enterprise becomes a formidable war machine oh yes and this episode is one of the last times that we will oh yeah hear them say you know should we separate this this might be the only time they mention it as a tactical measure. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're like, this is right near the start of the episode when they're going to see the unknown battle that's going on in the neutral zone. Yeah, yeah. Riker very astutely says to Picard, hmm, before we go into this possibly unknown, dangerous yeah. battle situation, with maybe the, we should separate the ship. With a potential Romulan presence, no less. Yes, maybe we should leave the saucer section behind. And Picard's like, bah, whatevs, it's yeah. fine. Nah. But, I mean, that is a discussion they really could have before going into any dangerous situation. Yeah, but, of course, they never do. But this is, like, the one time yeah. that they actually do. Because we've got one more saucer set coming up in this season. Yeah. And then one with Best of Both Worlds. And then we're done. And that's it. Uh, you might be right. I, I, I am right I there. still feel like there's one more. but maybe No, no. You're thinking of Generations, I, I tell oh. you. <laughs> that's the last time there's a saucer set. But that was the movie. That one doesn't count. You know, the first time Troy gets to drive the ship and she crashes the saucer section into a planet. Oh, let's not talk about the movie. Let's not yet. Yeah, we'll do that later. <laughs> you know, I was uh, I was listening to one of our podcasts the other day because I re-listen to this all the time because I'm a huge narcissist. Yeah. And at the end of one episode, we went on to watch the Star Trek motionless picture. And oh, it yeah? occurred to me that we m- missed a huge opportunity there to then record a uh, review of the Star Trek motion picture. It would have just been me crying for two hours. <laughs> well, then I guess it's good that we didn't. Oh, if you really want to do that, we could do it. Yeah. I'll do it, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, but we'd have well, to watch it again. We would. This is a good tie-in, though, because mm-hmm. this episode actually features quite a bit of recycled footage from the motion picture. Yeah, yeah, the this, Klingon cruiser. Basically the paddy wagon that's coming to collect mm-hmm. the Kevin and his associates, the, the Klingon yeah, it's fugitives. Got, it's got some odd soft focus on it. It does, because it's recycled footage from the motion picture. Yeah, yeah. They just dropped it right onto the new <laughs> screen. They recolored it a little. Yeah. Made it more greeny. But yeah, it's, that's what it is. I even, yeah, because it you know. wasn't the uh, the next-gen version of they don't, the Klingon Cruiser. They don't build that model until like season three. Yeah. So, wow. There's some fun information yeah. for you. Thanks, little, Wiki- thanks little Wikipedia. Thanks, Wikipedia. factoid, you know, pop-up video style. Oh, also, speaking of the, the paddy wagon, mm-hmm. <laughs> my favorite insight in the whole episode <laughs> oh, right. is the captain of this ship, the Klingon like prisoner transport, mm-hmm. the one who's trying to offer more for a job, trying to get him to come back to, to you know, work with the Klingons. Okay, so his outfit... 
his, he's his wearing Klingon armor. Yeah, so like the other Klingons that are on the ship, Kevin and his friends, they have the standard issue Klingon armor. Like it's sort of yeah. like metallic Plast- looking. Yeah. It's I mean it's actually plastic. Yeah, but, these plastic smocks. Yeah, they're yeah. very well known. They wear them in the motion pictures. They wear them yeah. in all throughout TNG. Standard Klingon battle. Yeah, they have the gnarly like uh, the gnarly spine ridges. In yeah, the back. And, the, and the and the very shoulder imposing. pads and everything. Yeah. yeah, very imposing. The dude on the ship who we only ever see on the view screen. He's wearing what appears to be a knitted version of the armor. Yep. It's clearly made of wool. Yeah, it's like, I imagine that, like, his grandma made it for him so he could go play warrior in the backyard. It's super adorable and awesome. Really and I really cool. want one. Yeah, oh man, you would, that'd be great, you know? Just yeah. your, your Klingon armor cardigan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could knit, this is, yeah. would be my project. Your Klingon Karmardigan. Nice. I love it. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, Sell them on Etsy with my uh, cranial kilts. we got to get a screen cap of that because it's mm-hmm. amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll see what I can do. Yeah, okay. That was uh, probably the hottest moment in the entire show. Yeah, that was pretty great. So now that we've talked about the episode, shall we rate it? Sure. Okay. As much as I feel that the Klingons have been underwritten and that they deserve better, I like this episode. It's a good one. This episode's not half bad. Nope. Which is nice to be able to say, finally. Because we don't get to say that about these episodes very often. This is probably the first one that I've fallen asleep while watching that I regretted falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I may actually have to go and watch the rest again. That couldn't hurt. I'm going to give this one a... Uh, I'm going to give this one a full lieutenant. Oh, nice. I'll go the same. Yeah, full lieutenants? Yeah. Full lieutenants across the board. Well done, boys. You earned it. Way to go. You enjoy those two filled-in pips. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, with that out of the way, I was thinking, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, Klingon merchandise? Like, Yeah, sure. Because we've talked about the toys and stuff before, but this could give us a little more focus on uh, not just necessarily the toys, but specifically the Klingon merchandising glut that happened in the 90s. Um, oh, okay. I wasn't sure if we were talking about merchandise for Klingons in the Star Trek War oh, universe no. or... In... No, no, I'm talking about us. All right, okay. So you're talking about, like, things that were for sale yeah are for sale? remember the next gen toys by playmates they had those like you could get the phaser or the uh yeah, yeah the communicator but they had a klingon disruptor too yeah they did which was actually kind of badass like mm-hmm. of the weapons that they sold the klingon disruptor was probably the coolest looking oh, it was one. the best for sure because they know? never they never sold the knives or the bat yeah either. and of course the klingon disruptor does not have a stun setting only kill why would you have that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so the klingon disruptor was kind of cool but I remember the local comic book store at University Heights back in the day, Dragon Strike Comics. Yep, yep. And they had a Klingon makeup thing, like a... Oh, really? Yeah, like a latex appliance of a Klingon forehead. Oh, God. With the hula skirt hair thing that uh, went on the back, so you could... uh, And and the nose piece, so you could... uh, do that for Halloween, right? Like yes. Back when Next Gen was, you know, in its full swing, you could get this kind of stuff easily at your local comic book store for, you know, like 25 bucks or something. Your mileage may vary on how well it works. Very nice. But uh, I remember, you know, wanting that really bad, like wanting to get the Klingon head kit and just not being able to. I mean, those head kits, 
they're cool for kids, but like you see them, people wearing them, and they just most of them are just not very good. They look really yeah. kind of sorry. There's a really particularly bad one in the movie Trekkies, like the documentary oh, I'm sure, Trekkies. I'm sure, yeah. In the documentary Trekkies, there's this scene where we see this Klingon language camp with like these people that learning are Klingon, learning how yeah. to speak Klingon. Yes, and everyone like there's one person there dressed as a Klingon. This really like this very large gentleman. Yes, and it honestly looks like something has taken a shit on oh, his forehead oh. because like his Klingon prosthetic you know the uh, forehead ridge and nose is deep dark brown and yeah, he's a the, white guy the color mismatch is really yeah. bad and yeah. he and he's done nothing to uh, and oh my god like it seriously like the first time I saw it I was like why does that guy have shit on his face oh oh He's supposed to be a Klingon. Klingon was a hard costume to do because mm-hmm. of the hair angle, right? Like, I mean, kids would, you know, you just want to draw, like, a, some lines on your forehead. It mm-hmm. just doesn't look right because of your no, hairline. No. Yeah. Um, you really need that that appliance, and then just you get into, yeah, the color yeah, Klingon, mismatch. Yeah, problems. I'm always impressed by people that do Klingon costumes well. I remember a friend of mine... Um, telling me the story about like I guess when he was 18 or like you know when he was first old enough to go to the strip club <laughs> he went to the strip club with his friends and lo and behold I guess coincidentally there was a Star Trek convention in town and when they came in they were sitting there and then all of a sudden the announcer's like ah oh, we have some representatives from the Klingon Empire here tonight and these trio of dudes in full on outfits oh, started into the, the stripper bar and they were like Kapla! <laughs> Kapla! yeah that, that happened Wow. That, Pretty great. That's a story. I mean, this is, I wasn't there. This is second. Yeah, hand. yeah, but still, good story. <laughs> yeah. We could talk a bit about the next-gen Klingon cruiser, which uh, has yet to make its debut, the, the green one with the pronged... Uh, yeah. Because I don't like it. I love that thing. I know you do, which is why I think we should talk about it, because okay. you love to disagree with me, and you're going to. Of course I am. This this just boils down again to just your prejudice against Klingons in general. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. What man. else? What else are you going to say? Klingons, they have, they have no rhythm. They can't dance. They, uh... What else? They just, like... Yeah, they, they don't have... They don't they look They look alike. Their food smells. Do they wash? Do they bathe? What else do you have to say for yourself? They have funny accents. I can't understand what they're saying. Yeah. Why is their blood pink? If you're going to come to this federation, learn the language. That's right. God. No, okay, I'm sorry. Thank Go ahead. You. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm kind of curious why it's green, because green seems to be the Romulan thing. You know, I would have thought that they would have gone with, like, the gunmetal gray that they did with... Uh... Yeah, like in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the, the motion picture, Star Trek 1. Yeah. Well, and um, in the other movies that they're in as well. Well, I think they're only in the first... Are they only in the first one? I think they're only in the first one, because the next time we see them, they've got the, the bird oh, right, of prey. Oh, right, the bird of prey. And the bird of prey is, like, the bird bright of prey green. Is, yeah, yeah. Like, it's okay, the color of so maybe, maybe they were going with green because of that. Uh, I think they were, but they chose a different... Like, it's it's like a almost an aquamarine bluey color mm-hmm. which is it is confusing because the warbird is also green I, yeah. I'm sure I listened to something where the, oh, it was ta- something about Star Trek where they were talking about production models and, and special effects and things and they chose green for the warbird just because it was starkly contrasted with the Enterprise the Enterprise mm-hmm. is like grey yeah. they can't do black because space is black yeah the next best contrasting they thought was green. Yeah, and they can use green because, you know, when they're filming against a blue screen, like, they can't right. use blue against the blue screen because yeah. 
for obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, is this why later, in, you know, in, when they go to full CG and, like, the end of TNG and then obviously, like, DS9 and Enterprise and stuff, and mm-hmm. is that why, like, they, they can get a little more crazy with the colors they choose for the Yeah, yeah, because uh, once they started using digital models, they right. could, you know, they didn't have to worry about compositing anymore because okay. that was all, you know, taken care of. I guess it's when all well, the ships got cool, like, engine colors and yeah, engine flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those Jim Hadar things, which are gray mm-hmm. on black on purple. <laughs> yes, indeed. When season three of DS9 hit and it seemed like it was going to be serious shit, like it seemed like the peace treaty with the Federation is over, you know? Oh, well, yeah, the Klingons at war with the Federation again. And I was like, holy shit. And then it lasted like an episode. And I was like, that went on for quite a while, actually. But I know what you mean. Like, it felt like there would be more conflict. DS9, I mean, there are a lot of, while there are quite a few space battles, there's not a lot of fighting that goes mm-hmm. on directly. Because I don't know. I mean, I like the occasional space battle. But, oh, yeah. like, uh-huh. you know, if you have, that's going on all the time, that's pretty dull after a while. Yeah. But we were talking about spaceships. Yeah, we were talking about the green Klingon. Like the new Klingon. Oh, right. I like you. I wish they didn't choose three different shades of green for yeah. the Klingon Warbird, the Klingon Battlecruiser, and the Romulan Warbird. I, it's also it's not the what do they call the Klingon thing? The Bird of Prey is what yeah, it's called. The Bird of Prey. Yeah, I wish they that one thing wasn't green too. But they're just yeah. kind of stuck with it. I'm not a big fan of like the pronged head. I think it looks a bit weird. And I don't know. Just to me, looking at the the model of the yeah. Battlecruiser, I feel like. I think they just wanted to make a vaguely updated version of the classic design from yeah. the original series. And I know it's not the same, but to me, it feels like an, a homage to that. And I kind of mm. like it. I wish it wasn't that color, though. Yeah. What could they make it red? Ooh, that'd be kind of cool. Like, nobody's red? Nobody's red. Like, even the Cardassian. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I guess Ferengi are orange, I suppose. Yeah. But No, no. Red would be a great color for the Klingons. Yeah, it would be. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna photoshop send that, that up. up. Yeah, send that up to Gowron, see if he'll yeah. do anything about it. Are there any other like really good Klingon things that you could get like toys and stuff? Can you ever get War Sash? No, they should have done that. That would have been an easy one. That would have been an easy one. Can you imagine like how pimped out you'd be as a kid if you had Jordy's visor and War Sash? Oh man, at the same bad. time, maybe with a tricorder. You know what I could go for? And a though? giant communicator pen. Yeah. You know what I'm thinking though? You know what, what would have been great? What Nerf Batlet? Oh, obviously, yeah. You know, yeah, that would be nerf amazing. Batlet battles—that would be great. They could still do that now. Oh like, yeah, they have those nerf swords that are kind of lame. Yeah, yeah. But if that was a nerf, if those were battles, like you can get nerf battle axes for God's sake. I want a nerf battlet. Paramount, are you listening? Like, yeah, yeah. Hook it up. Hook of us up. Of course, they're listening. Yeah, I know. Hook, hook us up with that. I will buy one immediately. Yeah, I, I will buy two. I will buy two immediately. I will yeah. buy two of them yesterday. No doubt. We will fight with them at the end of this episode. Man, that's a great idea. Um, I have those. The hypothetical Nerf Batlets that don't exist, you've got them? No, no, I have great ideas. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the time. You could do those daggers, too. They're not as cool. Mm-hmm. I remember the knife store in the... Uh, House of Knives at uh, <laughs> in the mall. Yeah, in the mall had yeah. the Klingon dagger all the time. Really? Like, it was always oh, there, man. you know, with the little button that made the little side things pop out. Like this is an aside, but who collects the knives that those places sell? Those like weird knives that are like I don't the know. fantasy style ones with a dragon in the hilt. The, they're, and the, they've they'll have like, samurai be out ones. There. They're very expensive. I know, but the collectors for them have to be out there. There are people that are just fascinated with weapons. And, and they've just got shitloads you know, of them. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there are. Like, I'm also sure that they're the kind of people that I don't want to meet or associate with. Probably not. But I bet, you know, they're definitely out there. Like, they have to be, otherwise House of Knives wouldn't even exist. But, you know, like, they're the same kind of people that collect guns. 
comics. Collect, I expect, you know? Collect Lobo comics, maybe? You know, like, I don't know whether there's a lot of crossover there. I don't the know. the people who collect knives also collect guns and vice versa. Wouldn't you have to focus, like, I mean, on one area? I mean... Possibly. I guess it depends on the kind of money you have. Like, I, I so. have a sword hanging on my wall. You do. That's but true. But it is the master sword from Legend of Zelda. So I'm not really sure it counts. Yeah, I don't think we can sit here in judgment of people that collect things given that that's, I'm sitting in an apartment that I'm just surrounded by toys. That's fair. That's fair. My my apartment has been compared to the 40-year-old virgins on more than one occasion. Yeah, that's But you don't have any knives. It's not because I wouldn't get them though. Like money no object. You yeah. would own a whole shitload of knives. Not necessarily. I would own every sword replica from Lord of the Rings. What? Every one. That's a little different, I think. Maybe it's not, though. I I don't know. See, that's the thing, you know? Like, I mean, because the reason I would collect those is because they're Lord of the Rings and they're rad. Yeah. But I'm sure that for someone else who's just into knives, you know, and swords, they're collecting them for exactly the same reason, because they're rad. Yeah. You know, personally, I wouldn't collect something that that was just pretty. I need a little more than that. I will get a replica of Sting because it's fucking Sting, you know? There's history to that blade. I thought you meant the singer. No. Yeah, the knife. Okay. Uh, Or I would collect Narsil. Yeah. Or Anduril or whatever. Glamdring. Glamdring. The Fauxhammer. Um... I would collect all of these things if I had the money, but they're fucking expensive, so I don't. How many vintage, like, how many of these crazy fantasy knives do you think House of Knives in the mall downtown, how many do you think they sell a month? Like, is it less than one? I would say that optimistically they might sell two a month. Okay. To my mind. But I could be dead wrong. They're always there. Right? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It's like every time I've been in, I don't even know if House of Knives is even still in Is it business. still a thing? They might have been. I, they g- might be gone they, by their doors, now. doors might have closed 15 years ago and I wouldn't know. Yeah. But uh, every time I went, ever went in, you know, they were always there. You know, like it didn't look like they were moving that stock. Not too many much. hot items. I yeah. think most people were going in there for like actual proper knives, like kitchen knives. Yes. Yeah, knife sharpener or other odds other and ends. And sort of things. <laughs> so other stuff that non-knife related that they carried right i don't think that they made much money off of the fancy replica shit because not a lot of people decorate with swords anymore true i mean that used to be a semi-common thing almost people would have like yeah you know you know who it's a common who who it's a common thing amongst klingons correct correct that. yeah i don't like their food though it's Weird. Is there no end to your prejudice? None. It's amazing. I mean, it's My just, bigotry is endless. I, I noticed. It's too bad. <laughs> I think that Wellen fully covers everything we can say about this episode, don't you think? Yeah. You know, we've talked enough about Klingons for one podcast, I believe. Klingons are great. I um, think they could be better. Five out of ten, see me after class. Do you feel the same way about the French? No, but I'm sick of the Swiss. Fair. I don't like them. All That's right. not true. I love the Swiss. The Swiss are great. Thank you for joining us aboard the Diecast Enterprise, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.